0: Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Today I'm going to talk about God's reward system and how He brings justice for the redeemed. Because you look around the world and you say, why does God allow The persecution of his church. Why does God allow people to be killed for their faith? Why does God not just intervene and take us to be with heaven? Well, it's all part of his plan. Because here's the thing. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what happens to you here on this earth. Because you're already set. You're part of God's plan. And last week, I talked about the big picture of God's plan. And it's kind of like a puzzle the top of a puzzle, the box, where you pour out all the pieces and you don't know what it looks like until you look at the box. So when we look at the Bible, we can see God's big picture plan. Have you ever worked really hard for something and experienced the reward that comes along with it? Because here's the thing, you know, hard work brings reward. I remember the feeling I had when I was walking up to get my high school diploma. 12 years of being in school, and finally, <laughs> here, finally my reward. And that set into motion other rewards. And it set into motion a desire to work hard for rewards. You know, this year, sadly, was a little different. You know, many people, including my son, missed out on walking. He had his college diploma. It came in the mail, but it's not the same. I say this because today we're going to talk about working for the Lord and receiving rewards according to our faithful work for the Lord. Because one day we will receive our reward of salvation, which is the greatest reward, which is Jesus himself. But do you know that God also gives special rewards to those who are faithful, those who work hard for him on this earth? These consist of special what the Bible calls crowns, and then also special responsibilities in the kingdom of God eternally. Now, as those who die outside of Christ receive judgment, and we'll talk about more of that next week, guess what? Those who die in Christ receive justice as well. Today, we're going to talk about what to expect after Jesus returns, and we want to expect justice for the redeemed. God is going to set things right. And part of that is he has a reward system for the faithful, those who sacrificed the fleeting rewards of this world to get the eternal rewards in heaven. So let's talk about that today. The redeemed will be judged with rewards. So the redeemed, and when I say redeemed, those have been purchased back by Jesus, will be judged and receive justice with rewards. When I was young and I found out I was good at music, I wanted to be the best at music. I am kind of a very competitive person. And when my friends were outside playing, I would be inside practicing. I was working hard to get better at my music. I was working hard to recruit band members to get gigs. And all this was before I was even a teenager. I was driven to become the best at my craft. And you know what? It paid off when I was younger. The rewards started coming. While my friends were working for minimum wage, I was getting paid hundreds of dollars to play music for a couple of hours. I'll never forget, my first job was at Knott's Berry Farm, chicken dinner restaurant. I was a busboy. And someone had told my supervisor that I knew how to play the piano. And I'll never forget one day we were setting up for banquets. We'd stay till like 11 o'clock midnight and we'd be setting up for banquets for the next day. And as soon as my supervisor found out I played the piano, he said, uh, uh go over there and play the piano. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, go play the piano. So I started playing the piano while the other, <laughs> my friends were like setting up and I just got paid to play the piano. It was like a reward. It was cool. But here's the point. God made you with a desire to achieve things. He made you with that desire to pursue happiness, to pursue what God has planned for you. And thank God our founding fathers in this country put that into the constitution, that we are able to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. Because I'm telling you what, I wasn't born in this country. I was born in Jamaica, outside of Bob Marley, There's not a lot of options to come out as a musician in Jamaica, but in America, there is, and we should never take that for granted because it could get taken away at any moment. God gave us that desire to achieve, to work hard, and to get rewards, and so he set up a reward system. Now, obviously, our greatest reward is Jesus, but Jesus also tells us about other rewards. Rewards that will be given for our faithfulness. Look what Paul writes of the Corinthian church. He says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body or in this life, whether good or evil. Now, who's Paul talking to? He's writing to the church. All of us believers will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, what does that mean? Are we going to be judged for our salvation? No. Jesus took upon him the judgment of God. And those who are in Christ have been forgiven of all sin. This is a word called the bema seat. You might have heard that. It was an elevated seat where judgment would be pronounced and also rewards would be given for those who competed in the Olympic Games. Because remember, the Olympics originated in Greece and Corinth was in Greece. So as God always does, He uses Paul to speak the people's language. Now, whose seed is this? It says the judgment seed of Christ. Everything you have ever done in sacrifice for Jesus will be remembered and rewarded. Don't forget that. It doesn't matter how little it is, because everything you do, when you do it for Jesus and his church is a sacrifice. So. I remember a couple Saturdays ago, I opened the third car garage where we keep stuff, and I started bringing it out and I started setting up, and I went into complaining mode. I said, "Lord, why do I got to do this?" And you know what God said to me, David? The question is not why; the question is who. For whom are you doing it? And I was totally convicted. And I said, you know what? You're right, Lord. I'm doing it for you. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for doing everything for me. And I could be a minuscule part of building your kingdom on earth. And I'm sorry I'm complaining and I want to be joyful. You know what happened? I had a change of perspective because I remembered that it's a privilege, not a chore, to serve God in his kingdom." Many Christians don't understand this. They get saved, and that's it. They're like the Christians who get in just by the seat of their pants. Turn to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to look at those Christians. This is, again, Paul speaking right into the Corinthian church, chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to start in verse 13. So Paul writes, Each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. What does fire do? Tests things. It judges things. What will be left? And the fire itself would test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it, what is it? Well, you got to go back to the previous section where Paul says, build on the gospel of Jesus Christ, on his kingdom." So if you build it on that, it'll remain, and you will receive what? A reward. But if any man's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as so through the fire. So what's basically Paul saying? Yeah, if you believe in Jesus, you're going to get saved, but you're going to get in by the seat of your pants, and you might smell a little bit like fire. Because here's the thing. God didn't leave you here on this earth to just sit there and be saved. He wants you to serve. And what do I mean by that? We don't work for salvation. We work from salvation. Those who are saved should be the hardest workers. Those who are saved should look to Jesus and say, wow, thank you, Lord. I didn't have to do that work. You did it for me. You took upon yourself my sin. So I just want to work joyfully for the Lord. And it doesn't matter where you are, if you're in a church building, in a home, at your workplace, whatever is going on, you are doing it in a worshipful heart for Jesus. Instead of just getting in by the seat of your pants, wouldn't you wanna hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant? Well, it takes sacrifice. What are the sacrifices that you've made for Jesus? You know, some of the ones that I made early on when I first got saved, I was still playing in bands in the clubs till like 2 a.m. I saw at the church I was attending a bulletin saying, we're doing auditions for the praise team. And I go, wow, maybe I can be on the praise team. So I went on an audition and I made it. And I'll never forget the first Sunday I was supposed to sing a solo. I had to be there at six o'clock in the morning because we met in a school and we had to set everything up. And I worked at the bar till two. And I got four hours sleep. And I'll never forget the sacrifice I made to show up. Right away, God rewarded me because there was a guy sitting in like the third row and I thought he was bored. I was like, wow, he's not enjoying this song at all. And he came up to me afterwards, goes, you know what? That song really ministered to me. And I'll never forget, I said, Lord, I don't want that to be the last time I hear that. There's no reward that's better than that. Or when I was water baptized. Because I'd been baptized as a baby in the Catholic Church. And then when I heard the teaching of baptism, and I said, I want to be baptized as an adult, because it didn't mean anything when I was a kid, the pushback I got from people and friends was amazing. It was very difficult. But I knew I had to do it. You know what? I went and I was baptized, and I felt the Holy Spirit come upon me. I think it literally changed me. Those are little things. You know what Jesus says about little things in Matthew twenty five twenty three, It says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, there's always two sides to the coin, right? Jesus says in Luke, Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous or unjust with very little is unjust in much. It's like the parable of the talents, that where God, the master, gives talents to different people, different amounts of talents. And the one with the lesser talents, he wasn't supposed to overperform, the one with more. He was just supposed to use it and not bury it. And the ones who use their talents, as little as they might have, They were given more, and Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. You know how Jesus referred to the one who buried the talent that God gave him? He referred to him as wicked and lazy. And the little he had was taken away. See, this is one of God's main spiritual principles, which is you reap what you sow. Do you know a talent in this culture was an amount of money? By God's grace, Me and my family have never been without. We have tried to be faithful with what we have, including our money. From the moment Deborah and I got married, we have tithed and given beyond our tithe faithfully. We always knew this house belongs to you, Lord. But I'll tell you what, that's not something you just wake up when it happens and you decide that. That's something you decide way back. That's something when you give your life to Christ and you say, I give my life, I give my house, I give my money, I give my car, I give my family, I give my health, whatever it is, you give that up before. Jesus says, count the cost. You don't all of a sudden go, oh my gosh, we need a house. Maybe we can use my house. You already said, Lord, use my house. Use my life. Use me, Lord, for your glory. That's what it's about. Thank God for the faithful servants in our church who have continued to give for the church to remain solvent. Praise God for you. And God remembers everything, little or big, you do for him, you will be rewarded. I love what D.A. Carson says. He says, there's only one person who's well done on the last day means anything. You might hear it from a lot of people, which is cool, but you want to hear it from him. Next, the redeemed will not be condemned. And here's the good news. Look, it's the best reward of all. Those who are redeemed and purchased back by Christ will never be condemned. In fact, the Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Where does condemnation comes from? The devil, the accuser. Even today, you might've been convicted, which is good. But you should never feel condemned if you're in Christ. If you're feeling condemned, you're buying into the lies of the devil, the accuser. And when you buy into his lies, you lose. The moment you stop believing your negative, shameful thoughts about yourself is the moment you begin experiencing the reward of true grace. I was thinking yesterday as I was running, and a song title came to me, and it was, The Worst of Sinners Still Gets Grace. God's grace is way beyond you and your sin. Now, I lived in shame and guilt my whole life. Even as a believer, I struggled with this. I would end the day thinking, man, I really blew that one, didn't I? And the next day, I'd I'd go to sleep going, man, tomorrow's going to be the same. I'm just going to prove how unworthy I am. And then I decided to believe the truth over the lies. And that's when I found 2 Corinthians 10.5, which says we demolish arguments or speculations and every pretension or fake opinions that set itself up against the knowledge of God. And what do we do? We take it captive, every thought, to make it obedient to Christ. What are we making it obedient to? To Jesus Christ. Who's Jesus Christ? The Word. We make it obedient, our thoughts, to the word. I'm my worst critic. Who needs God as judge? I'll judge myself, but I need to repent. And just stop believing what I think is true and start believing what God says is true. And then you will experience the reward of grace. And then the next thing is the redeemed will reign and judge with Christ. Do you know that? Paul wrote this in the Bible to the church. He says, don't you know that you will one day judge angels? Remember earlier when I said that God will give more responsibilities to those who are faithful with little? He says, I'll put you in charge of many things. What things and where? Well, remember the Lord's Prayer? What is it? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and earth is in heaven. Well, his kingdom will come to earth. Turn to Revelations chapter 20. We're going to start with verse 1 in chapter 20 of Revelation. Then I, John, Saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and the great change. So this is after Jesus comes back and the battle of Armageddon happens. Jesus and the church win, obviously, because God always wins. And then this is what happens. So the angel's holding a key to the abyss. And verse 2, he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of all the devil, Satan, the accuser, and bound him up for a thousand years and threw him into that abyss and shut it and sealed it so that he could not deceive people any longer until the thousand years is up. And then after that, he's released for a little while. And that's right before the new heaven and new earth happens. And Then, verse 4, then I saw thrones, and they sat on them. Who's they? Well, we know that the apostles and the uh, elders were sitting on thrones in Revelation. I believe these are some in the church, some believers that God gives thrones to sit on to judge, and it says, And judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and not received the mark of the beast on their forehead or in their hand. Who are these people? Those are the tribulation saints. See, the church was already up in heaven in the rapture, but these people had to live through hell on earth. They stayed faithful and mainly these were the 144,000 Jews that God calls to be a part of that great tribulation period to be his witnesses. They're faithful, and they came to life. We're already alive. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a 1,000 years. And then verse 5, the rest of the dead, what's the rest of the dead? We'll talk about that next week. Those are the people who didn't believe in Jesus. They did not come to life until the 1,000 years were completed, So this first coming to life is the first resurrection of which if you're a believer in Christ, you get to experience. And then verse six, blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection because the second death has no power over them. We'll talk more about that next week. But they, us, the church, will be priests of God and Christ and will what? Reign with him, for a thousand years, are you ready to reign with Christ? That's going to be part of your job. Sadly, many Christians aren't because they're not willing to grow up. Think about it. What if your kids never grew up and they just remained as babies and they kept drinking milk from a baby bottle and pureed food in those plastic partition dishes and they being hand-fed with a spoon? Well, that's happening in the church, sadly, and it's happening more and more. Christ isn't their reward. His word is not cherished, and it's not being taught. And they're not receiving it and believing it. Remember that if you'll know the truth will set you free, you got to grow up. You weren't redeemed to just sit here. Do you know what you're redeemed for? To reign with Christ. And we need to start living like it. So what should I do to be ready? Let God reign in your life. Start with the little things. What little things has God been saying to you that you haven't been faithful with? Start with those because you're not going to get more responsibilities till you get those down. See, here's the thing. For a lot of people, a lot of Christians, Jesus is their Savior. Oh, Jesus is my Savior. But is Jesus your Lord? Like a Lord, if he's your Lord, you do what he says. You sacrifice your life. You say, Lord, here's my house, here's my money, here's my cars, here's my health, here's my family, here's my marriage. And Lord, you do it according to your plan, because I've been screwing it up. Let God reign in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bardiwell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com.